1: Visit LiveNation.com slash ConcertWeek to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds to Mars, oh, and two-door cinema club. Hey, it's Danielle, Will, and Ryder from Pod Meets World. Thanks to our friends at Hyundai, we were able to record a very special episode for you guys at the one and only, wait for
2: it, Boy Meets World House. Take a listen.
1: Are there any moments or spots on any of the sets we worked on over the seven years that you guys felt more at home that were like your little spots on the set you like to hang out? I'm afraid it was the sink. Oh, really? Yes. Oh, yeah. (laughs) You had to act by the sink (laughs) a lot. Yeah. I was behind the counter. Yeah. Right.
3: Doing business constantly, Uh mom stuff.
0: Uh huh.
1: Disciplining
0: you
3: (laughs) in some way. This
1: has been brought to you by the fully electric Hyundai Ionic Five. New episode out now. You can listen wherever
0: you get your podcasts. The Around the NFL Podcast. Tugboat. Really?
4: Really? What's your problem, buddy. Welcome to another edition of the Around the NFL Podcast. My name is Dan Kansas. I come to you from a, I mean, a building. Filled with some heroes, Greg Rosenthal, Mark Zesler. We got things up and running, boys. The uh, new studio on Thursday, but tech glitches. So I'm from a conference room in one area of the building. Greg's in another, and Mark is in what he deemed a, uh, a French phone booth, and it's not going too well over on the east side of the building, is it, Mark?
3: No, it's very French. Um, I mean, it. You know, if I were just to come in here and chat with a friend, I mean, it's it's plush red seats, but um, an entire windowed wall on this side of me to my left and um, it appears it's you know it, a very talented group of producer <laughs> IT types shooting uh, suction darts at me and laughing at me while I do the show Daniel wait Jeremiah like literal literal him. darts or it's well, suction like, darts that I... stick to glass I don't know how oh, else
2: wow. to describe it but um
3: you know, it, I it, thought it was like you know,
2: figurative eye darts or something. But no, but of course, you know, level. let's
3: send the guy who was in a hospital three weeks ago up a flight of <laughs> stairs with forty pounds of equipment to find you know some other place to set up. I see how this works.
2: So
4: as you can see, we are challenged right now. We thought we were, you know, it was going to be smooth sailing from here, but that's not the way things work when you move into a new building. Uh, but that doesn't matter to you, the listener. What you care about is week two of the NFL. Season and this is the flagship show, and we're going to go through every game that was played, even the early games. And I, you know, I would file a peti- petition not just because Zach Wilson threw four interceptions today, but mostly because of that, uh, <laughs> to not cover the early games and instead only focus on like three games in the in the late window. But I guess, Greg, we should be thankful for those three games <laughs> in the late window because uh, it gave us some excitement in our first day in the newsroom, the new newsroom.
2: No, the the late games were great for the most part. But, yes, you were proclaiming throughout much of the morning football's dead, um, that you didn't <laughs> think football could recover from the uh, early games, that they were too boring, and that was it. We were all just going to have to pack up and go. It wasn't just that
4: they were boring either. And, again, the Zach Wilson meltdown. Uh, at the metal ends definitely colors uh, my viewpoint. Right. If he had it, four obviously. touchdowns,
2: no interceptions in every other game, it would have been an amazing. Same. We're not early having this window. conversation. We're not
4: having this uh, conversation. But just every game was pretty wretched for the most part on the early window. But yes, we have good games to get to. It will be a little front loaded, and we will close the show with Sunday Night Football. Hopefully, that is a contest worth bantering on about. But uh, let's get into it. Let's roll. Let's start with some of these fun late games. Featuring all kinds of walk-off goodness from kickers and not-so-goodness. Let's start. Listen, Vikings fans, we're not going to start with you. So just deep breath, deep breath. You will get through this. Let's start right across the street from us, right across the sidewalk from us, Dallas Chargers.
0: You know what, though, Brad? It's all going to be a moot point and all going to be forgotten after Greg Zerline hits this 56-yarder. 56 for the win.
4: Right hash. Snap. Hold, kick kick on the way kick is good and the cowboys win we knew it all along (laughs) (laughs) that was babe laufenberg trying to speak into existence a moment for the cowboys that would eclipse the horrendous game management by the Cowboys head coach Mike McCarthy and Brad Sham, the sham god, with the call for KRLD. Greg Zerline connected on a 56-yard field goal as time expired to give the Dallas Cowboys a 2017 win over the Los Angeles Chargers. Yes, across the sidewalk from us here at SoFi Stadium, Greg the Leg saved the bacon of a lot of people. Most of all, Mike McCarthy, who basically wasted away the last minute of game time and set up his kicker for disaster and more on that later. But Greg, this was a huge win for the Cowboys after last week's near miss versus the champs.
2: It was, and it was a great game. It had everything that you would want a Cowboys chargers game to have, except for like points. Like, I can't believe how bad the defenses were in this game, and yet the final score was 20-17. to There wasn't a punt until midway through the third quarter, uh, and that might have been the only punt of the game. It was. And yet, because both sides kept shooting themselves in the foot, especially the Chargers uh, with penalty, that's the end we got. Like, you couldn't believe how well Justin Herbert played in this game uh, when you look at the final score. I'm not surprised um, – You know, I'm surprised to see the Cowboys only have 20 points in this game because it felt like every Chargers defensive possession was just hoping for a prayer. But in the end, two touchdowns taken off the board by Chargers penalties down the stretch feels like feels like a difference maker like Jared Cook. Uh, will help your team, and you're like, wow, that's a good pickup, Jared Cook, until he gives you the one Jared Cook play that he just seems to always have. And in this case, it was a holding call on a long touchdown uh, by Justin Herbert. And then later uh, in the fourth quarter, I went to go to the bathroom after the Chargers took a four-point lead, not realizing it's the Chargers, and there was actually an illegal formation. The touchdown didn't count. There's a crazy call. There was just like a little bit of everything, and yet I think we got the ending that we deserved, which is just like one team getting a little luckier than the other.
3: I mean, Greg, i got to ask you because I think we all saw at the same time <laughs> Justin Herbert unfurl an incredible pass to Keenan Allen that oh. sailed over The head of a, you know, falling down backwards, Cowboys cornerback. But he also threw two interceptions in this game. One that came from the Dallas nine. What?
4: I thought you were going to ask him. He, he left the door open. He said he went to the bathroom here at this new facility. The toilets are heated. There's, there's bidets
2: involved. I want to know more about Greg's trip to the bathroom.
4: I mean, it was that's just, all let's I care about.
2: Let's start I, there. I'm <laughs> chugging water all day long. There was nothing too complicated about it. I come back and it's like second and goal. I'm totally confused. Uh, and then they call this crazy in the graphs uh, quarterback play. But yeah, Herbert had two interceptions. The second one, Keenan Allen fell on. It, it happens. The first one was a bad throw. But that that one throw you you mentioned to Allen, where he kind of. Um, puts it in the turkey hole or whatever John Gruden used to like to say was beautiful. And yet it came a few plays after one of the best throws I've ever seen, which was a 45 yard on a rope with no like arc to it whatsoever throw that again was overturned by penalty. So like that just felt like that was the story of this game. It was it was incredibly entertaining though. Like I it was but, everything I wanted out of a, a week 2 game between and, the and, Dan, I would, and Cowboys.
3: I would ask Greg, you know, multiple questions about the you know his trip to the toilet, but I mean we know how these Sundays work. We don't have time to sit down on heated toilet seats.
4: Uh, no, that is not we do not. That is not the world here on Sundays. It's an active time. Um, you know, as the second half was unfolding and I was thinking about the two teams involved, the Cowboys who are involved with so many games like this that go down to the wire. And it feels like more often than not in recent years, it goes against the Cowboys. And then you have the Chargers on the other side, which they're famous for their fiascos uh, through the years, late in games that I was thinking, how does someone uh, win this game and how does someone blow it to lose it? And what happened was the Cowboys actually did both, which was really commendable. And again, let's set the table here um, with the situation, uh, Greg. It was, I think there was... Let's see. I'm going to go to – I want to check out the – I want to get this right. So this to, sets up – To start it,
2: the game-winning field goal drive, they had three minutes and five, 54 seconds left. And that was to set up the 56-yarder.
4: There you go. I mean, and here's – and the question now became when they had the one timeout left and they, they have a running play and the clock's running after Tony Pollard goes uh, three yards to the Chargers 38, 30 sec- 33 seconds left, clock's ticking, 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 ticking. And finally the Cowboys call out call timeout with four seconds remaining, seemingly settling for a nearly impossible make in that situation. They get bailed out. After the game, Mike McCarthy uh explained why he had such an issue.
0: But the the clock I was watching uh, went off the board and then the you know clock Kellen had, uh, I think he said a camera hit, he got blocked by a camera guy, so the
1: communication was great from up top and you know and obviously you wanna you wanna call that timeout
2: between three, you know, three and four seconds. So <laughs> <laughs> this this is one of those like explanations from someone higher up, like a restaurant <laughs> manager, that you just know isn't remotely giving you the straight answer. Like, okay, let's say you couldn't see the clock, or, or and and everyone is taking this as like, okay, well that makes more sense than them just being total idiots. Well then, like then how did you take the time out with four seconds left? At some point, you just totally blanked and panicked. And if you can't see the clock, you you have to find some other way to do it. It was. It was the most Cowboys-like thing possible because they had a ton of time and they could have gone right down the field. The Chargers defense did not – Uh, offer much resistance. I was very impressed with the Cowboys' offensive line. Uh, They protected Dak Prescott well. They ran the ball really well. I think the Cowboys actually could have run the ball more in a lot of key situations, and they let the Chargers off the hook. It felt like a miracle any time that the Chargers got a stop, but that was pretty much true on on both sides of the ball in this game.
3: Are we at a point, though, where uh, you look at Zeke Elliott and Tony Pollard, 16 touches for Zeke, 13 on the ground for Pollard, I, are we in a full on timeshare here?
2: I think it's a good situation. Yeah. I mean, they ran for 198 yards and they split snaps. So to me, that's like a good problem to have. I don't think Zeke's looked that bad this year. I, I know fantasy heads are all like worked up about it, but he's still a good back. Pollard's just more explosive, and he, he definitely was today.
4: As Greg said. And this is just the chargers in a nutshell. And it just, you change the players, you change the change the coaches. And we keep getting these outcomes Flagged 12 times for 99 yards, two touchdowns taken off the board. They're now eight and 17 in one score games, uh, since the start of the 2019 Mm. season. So Mike McCarthy gets bailed out by his kicker and Greg, the leg goes from goat to hero week to week. That is the NFL. And, um, Speaking of big kicks from big men, let's head to Seattle.
0: Snap, set, kick, go! Yes!
1: Yes! How about these Titans? Yes! Yes! (laughs) Yes! The impossible situation, possible.
4: (laughs) Mike Keith, Titans Radio with the call. Break up the gravedigger. <laughs> Derek Henry goes off for 182 and two fourth quarter touchdowns. You never fade the big dog. And Randy mm. Bullock, big boned Randy, hit a 36 yard field goal midway through OT. The Titans, not the Tytoons, you thought they were dead. So did I, if you followed my Twitter feed. Rally from a 15 point deficit, stunning the Seahawks, and they're building Lumen Field. Nightmare, thirty three <laughs> to thirty,
2: and uh, man, wait, what's the nightmare? The name of the field or the yeah. game? Yeah,
3: absolutely, yeah. absolutely. Okay,
2: just just clarifying. You could also another nightmare. Greg locked up the Chargers. Another no, oh, yeah, that was a nightmare. I keep oh. keep going. Greg like starts all, the season zero
3: and two. That's that's mm-hmm. inauspicious.
4: Also, locking up the long, wrong team. How about the Wessling brothers locking up the Seahawks? Mm. Ooh. <laughs> that's a bad beat that's a tough one because Tennessee they looked done in this game they could not get anything going they were um, down 24-9 in the second half when Freddie Swain uh, caught a rainbow from Russell Wilson and took it in it made it 30-14 to and you think "Oh, let's go home well 30-14 in your building becomes 33-30 loss, just a crushing defeat for the Seahawks and an enthralling, uh, potentially season-changing winning win for the Titans this early. And this from John Glennon, uh, who cited CBS, so really from CBS. The Seahawks were 52-0 and when leading by at least, at least 15 points at home, now 52-1. and um, So, you know, you, you credit... It's it's a team effort because the Titans got a lot of big stops on defense in the second half uh, when it looked like the Seahawks were just going to run away and hide in this game, and they kind of did, but the defense made enough stops to let Tennessee get back in the game. They got back in the game uh, because Derrick Henry turned back into a total monster. Uh, he had a first touchdown run where the play was to the right. There was nothing there—a stretch right play. He stopped in his tracks, reversed backfield, and then beat everybody to the corner on the other side. Uh, and then the other one was those type of runs that we saw all last year—a sixty-yard touchdown where a man that large—I believe he's seven foot seven, three hundred and eighty thousand pounds—gets to the outside and then just outruns cornerbacks, safeties, linebackers to the house. Those big, big-time plays. Um, and uh, when Mike Vrabel doesn't go for two. Uh, when they tie it with uh, under a minute to play, I, I remember a lot of people were thinking, oh, come on, Vrabel, we'll show some stones. But it was the right move because they still got it done
2: in overtime. What a win for the Titans. Mm.
4: Brave digger.
2: I feel a little job, though. We should have had a walk-off safety. I don't know when the last walk-off safety was. Wasn't Did Cameron Wake have one against the Bengals a long yes, time ago? Yes, on Thursday like, Night Football. That that could have been yep. it and it was a walk-off safety. We all saw it. Russell Wilson took took a sack and threw the ball away in the end zone and they they marked the ball at the half yard line. Uh but it it I know I didn't I, yeah this was your game Dan and yep. I know it feels like the Titans like stole one and it's a bad beat. But ultimately they had 33 first downs in this game in 532 yards. And I know a lot of those yards came late, but <laughs> That's, I don't know if that's stealing. That's beaten up on the other team's defense after a while. And Julio also, Jones
4: also. Julio Jones had a touchdown that got overturned. That was very suspect. It was the back of the end zone. Looked like he got two feet down. I don't know what the whole thing going on there was, uh, but they kind of got jobbed out of four points there as well. They they did the offense definitely got back on track, and I know that's important if you're the grave digger and Titans fans because with Todd Downing there. Instead of Arthur Smith, you were starting to chew on your fingernails uh, in the early in the second quarter. Uh, but they showed that they could put up that thirty spot in a big spot.
3: I mean, there's some unlovable whispers about the Todd Downing experience as well. But I mean, you look at Julio Jones after last week, 128 yards off six catches. That helps heal the narrative. The, what you mentioned about Derrick Henry, they had the ball for 42 plus minutes. I mean, had they, no matter how, had if they'd lost this game in any way, I mean, they're 0 2. The place is going nuts in Tennessee. I mean, for what a team that people thought could be an AFC title game, uh, you know, entry. So get getting back to one and one. Um, I don't know if it changes my feelings about the Seahawks a whole lot, other than the fact that Tyler Lockett is a top five receiver. I mean, he had 178 yards today. It's so like every time I looked up, he was racing down the field, catching some sort of rope from Russell Wilson. Pete Carroll's got to find his
2: defense. I mean, it's been. Five years now. So if Russell Wilson got the offensive coordinator he wanted, but he does not right now have have a defense to help support him. And again, just
4: underlining what a surprising uh, turn of events it was uh, in the second half. The, The Titans, their offensive line was completely scrambled in this game. Taylor Luan, who of course sent the gotten his feelings on social media after Chandler Jones embarrassed them in week one, He's warming up in the end zone before kickoff and does something to his knee and aggravates uh, that knee that he had repaired, the ACL uh, knee. So he misses the game. Uh, Roger Saffold, their left guard, he goes down with a shoulder injury, um, comes back, then leaves again in the second half. So the fact that the offensive line was in complete tatters to be able to get Mm. protection for Tannehill in the second half um, and to open up lanes for Derek Henry just enough because Henry could do so much with so little. Uh, really a credit to the Titans and Ryan Tannehill. I haven't brought him up. Um, he was good in this game, but uh, the best uh, when it counted, he was seven for seven on that final drive in regulation when they got it from 30-23 to a tie game. Uh, six of those seven pa- passes went to running backs, uh, but they moved the ball with efficiency. Big win. And the Seattle Seahawks, Maroon. That's a bad one. That's Mm. a bad beat. Resilient Titans. Now now some bad kicking, like a horror story. Let's get (laughs) to it.
0: From 37 yards away to win it for the Vikings. Snap, spot. The kick is up, and the kick is no good. He missed it
1: wide to the right. He missed it, and the Cardinals win it 34-33. A missed extra point. And now a missed field goal at the
4: gun. And Arizona's 2-0. Oh. oh, my goodness. Hey, Ricky. I'm going to ask you this in real time to dig it up. I do want to hear the Vikings call. Yeah. Sometimes said, you want to hear that down. Vikings call. Joseph, come on. It is good. No, he That's missed no it. good. Are you kidding me? No. He oh, no. He right. no. He missed it right. No. Oh, my goodness. Oh,
0: oh my this he missed it
2: right what a gut punch oh no oh no i hate to call someone out one of our favorites but ultimately like Ooh. You, that's on you too to call that wrong that's I think that, he, that's the equivalent of missing the kick to, he just wanted it so
3: bad to be good that he was willing that's to... paul allen missing a seven thirty-seven uh, 37 yarder sorry paul,
4: paul allen goes <laughs> wide right too give me that music back ricky From the team that brought you Gary Anderson, Blair Walsh, and Dan Bailey, the Minnesota Vikings present their latest masterpiece, Greg Joseph, Dream Slayer. Listen, if I'm miserable, I'm taking somebody. Vikings, come along for the ride. Joseph missed a 37-yarder, as you heard, wide right. A dagger through the heart. Oh, the Vikings and their fan base, 34-33. They lose to the Cardinals. Mark, Kyler Murray threw for 400 yards and three touchdowns in this game. And Arizona's 2-0. And there's a lot to be excited about there if you're a Cardinals fan. But all I could think about is the Vikings doing it again. Unbelievable.
3: Absolutely. And it it was Mike Zimmer who said after the game, you know, we're probably two plays away from being 2-0. And, you know, we keep mentioning this, but, the look on his visage, his face every time these things seem to keep happening to them, uh, it tells it all. And, and you know, the one thing is it's impossible not to watch the Cardinals and go off about Kyla Murray left and right. And we can talk about that. But the Vikings offense, they really set themselves up to win this game for much of it. I mean, Dalvin Cook was doing everything that Derrick Henry could not do to the Cardinals last year on the ground. He was sensational, and he played through pain. He had an ankle injury. He was on the ground a number of times. And for all the flack that Kirk Cousins takes, I mean, he was sensational out of the gate. Eight for nine, 122 yards, three touchdowns, had a pivotal 29-yard run. No, They could not be stopped. I mean, this was the game of the day. And it started to creep up a little bit because Kyler Murray made—I I would— Suggest you go watch what he did on one play. There is something about Kyler Murray, and it has to me, it's almost like Patrick Mahomes, where you can tweet the play, you can try to verbalize it, you can try to write about it, you can try to, you know, stamp it on someone's back as a tattoo if you want, but nothing is going to work to describe how fascinating he is to watch. He had one play where he escaped um, coverage, extends it as he always does, he's circling around and finds Rondale Moore on a 77 yard strike. And at that point, I thought, The Cardinals are the most interesting team in the NFC. They're also possibly way better than we thought. Totally explosive. You know, everything that I thought about them in the offseason was becoming untrue before my eyes. And Kyler Murray, like, you know, Justin Herbert, he's a young quarterback. He threw a costly pick six. He threw another interception in this game. And it allowed Minnesota to hang around when Arizona could have completely taken off. But Minnesota's defense played really well at times, too. Daniil Hunter had three sacks. So it was one of these games where, you know, back in the old days when we used to write these things up, um, I would have had a heart attack attempting to narrate everything that happened down the stretch because it was a back-and-forth affair. And, I mean, my, I, you know, Dan, you say you need to take someone with you because you had a bad day. You, I feel like you are being a little aggressive to take the Vikings fans of all fan bases with you. I mean, they've seen enough. They've seen horrors for decades and today is just another chapter in one of the more ugly books to right. read. Hey,
4: listen, Sessler, just because you're no longer amidst the wreckage doesn't mean you could decide who the miserable get to take with us down into hell. I just absolutely, you're floating can, in the I heavens absolutely
3: can have an opinion on it though, and I find, I find your actions to be a little bit questionable. <laughs> wow. Listen, the,
4: the Cardinals uh, the Cardinals they, you know, the the they had 474 total yards. We'll start here, but the Vikings to have a three-touchdown day from Kirk Cousins without a turnover, to get 177 yards on the ground, including Dalvin Cook, 131, averaging six yards a carry, to intercept Kyler Murray twice, including, yes, a pick six, and still lose that game. It just can't happen. It's just – and it all comes back in that you hate to just put it, Greg, on the, at the feet of the kicker, but when a team works that hard – in a in a tough situation on the road, to get to that point and the kicker may, misses a thirty-seven yarder, that is the type of loss that can really um, kill a team season. It's that type of loss.
2: Absolutely, but I think Zimmer's gonna be kicking himself that his defense is struggling in both of these weeks. You know, I think that the defense ultimately lost the game against the Bengals. The offensive line wasn't great, and you give up this many points. I I know you made some plays on defense in this game, but you give up this many points. You let Kyler Murray stay back there that long. He had two touchdowns where he, he held the ball five seconds or more. That's almost impossible. They mm-hmm. said in his entire career before today he had three touchdowns where he held the ball that long. So I know it's Kyler Murray. It's a unique player to have to go after. But, like, if Mike Zimmer has a mediocre to bad defense again, this Vikings team isn't going anywhere. Because right Cousins, would... Cousins has played great through two weeks. I think one of the underrated stories of last week, I thought Cousins played awesome. Uh, the offensive line was terrible. Everyone else was terrible. But he played great, and he played great again, and they're 0-1
3: But along with the two picks – Xavier, Woods, or Xavier Rhodes also popped the ball out of Rondell Moore's hands at the goal line at one point. I mean, yes, you're going to give up yardage to Kyler Murray. You're going to give up amazing plays, but they generated turnovers. And, you know, last week penalties dogged the Vikings, and they didn't have a penalty in the game, you know, deep into it. I mean, they were. it was a different Vikings team from a week ago, and, I mean, it does come down to these – the fates. I mean, these wacky little things that happened because – the same kicker made a 52-yarder earlier in the game. So it's just, you know, this isn't a, a, an autumn wind blowing through the stadium. I mean, it's, it's a completely serene place to kick.
4: And the Vikings <laughs> have, in week three, the Seahawks coming off their own stomach punch loss. So that, that's no gimme. And then they got the Browns, and so the Browns are an AFC superpower mark. So, you know, that's a tough one, too.
3: Can we slow down? Or oh, not? we'll get to that. But, I mean, they, they nearly were, they nearly lost to the Texans. So I'm not these I narratives. Just, you're you up know. there
4: in the penthouse now, Sessler. You can't come down here I, I am, and tell me how I should feel.
3: This is the most offensive place I've ever recorded a podcast from, I can promise you, from what I'm having to deal with, you know, visually to the left and right of me, while you guys are down in your quiet little secluded rooms, have a nice time. <laughs> Let's move on. <laughs> you
4: know, we have this brand-new studio, and it's just sitting in darkness right now. Talk yeah, about like bad someone beads. in a
3: clown suit, like floating by me, like, you know, with bells and whistles and cups of whipped cream. I mean, this is just, you know, it's too much.
4: To Miami. Speaking of clown. Now the snap. College. It goes to Motor Singletary. Big hole up the middle, finds room. He's at the 30, 25, 20, 15, 10, 5. Touchdown, Buffalo. A 46-yard touchdown run on the second play from scrimmage. Yeah. John Murphy would call WGR. Devin Singletary started the scoring. The Bills never looked back from there. This was too easy. Josh Allen threw two touchdown passes. Zach Moss had two touchdowns as well. Why not? And the Bills knocked out Dolphins quarterback Tua Tungo Bailoa early with a rib injury. On the way to an, 35-to-zip win over the Dolphins on the road. Tugboat locked this one up. Didn't think it was going to be this easy. I don't think anybody thought it was going to be this easy. And... There it is. Got on the board. And if you're a Dolphins fan, you're really worried. Greg, you're worried that Tua, is this guy fragile? Can he stay healthy? It's a rib injury. He got carded with it. We'll see how he is. It sounds like it could be worse. Uh, bruised ribs, X-ray, come back negative. Uh, but then on top of it, you just can't protect. Tua got drilled twice for sacks on the first series. Second series, he gets smoked again and gets injured. Jake Brisket comes in. It wasn't even better. It wasn't any better for him. So you have protection issues, and in general, just being non-competitive in this spot, it kind of washes away
2: anything positive from the win up in Foxborough uh, last Sunday. Right. I mean, the games, they all count the same in the standings, so they're, you know, they're tied at 1-1, one and, one, and they, the Dolphins have a division win, but you have to look, if you're a Dolphins fan, at this Goliath that is the Bills, and you have to think, in two of our last three games, they have embarrassed us. That I, I think people forget week 17, Dolphins still had a chance for the playoffs. The Bills had absolutely nothing to play for in that game. Matt Barkley wound up playing half the game. They put 56 points on him. They beat him by 30 when they had nothing to play for. That is some big time, like, I'm the bully in the division. We have this matchup set. And whatever Brian Flores cooks up defensively against other quarterbacks, it doesn't work against Josh Allen. He's undefeated against this Dolphins team in the Flores era. And these last two have, have to be Two of, if not the, the two worst losses. Of but the Allen Florida wasn't there. even that
4: good in this game. I mean, they right, scored. Right, but it's like, whatever. Oh they gosh. scored two qu- quick touchdowns and then went pretty quiet on offense for a while there. Um, and it, I think it just got to a, a point where the offense for the Dolphins was not doing anything. And eventually the defense caved after a while. There's only so many three and outs and fruitless drives before the other side of the ball is affected by that. Of course, it's in Miami. It's hot there. It's humid. And uh, you leave a defense on the field long enough, they are going to eventually uh, crack. So all the way around, domination for the Bills. And I think on, both, on two fronts, so, so the Dolphins, it washes away week one. For the Bills, I think it does the same thing. That was a very disappointing loss to the Steelers uh, in week one. But now you're feeling a lot better about where they are, even if that big play of their element of their offense, or at least the passing offense, Mark, still isn't quite there.
3: Well, you know, Stefan Diggs, I see 60 yards, a touchdown. I mean, he blew up against Miami twice last year. I'm very much with Greg, though, because, you know, you're going to measure yourself if you're Miami, uh, number one, winning your own division and and, centering yourself against the other teams inside that division. And Buffalo has, you know, knocked him around time after time. And they did a lot this offseason to surround Tua with new talent. Um, But, you know, the leading into this game, there are a lot of weird things going on with Will Fuller. We're not sure what's happening there. He didn't play, and your offensive line seems to be a huge issue. They gave up six sacks. I mean, two is getting hit hard, punished. I that, that it doesn't matter what weapons are around you if that kind of chaos is being created. And you know, Buffalo, I, I think their defense is better than it was last year. But I think it was probably an aberration today. They're not going to do that every week. It says a lot more about Miami's line.
2: They did it last week. That's two games now if you add up the yardage that they've given up in those two games, like that's less than. Uh, but that's also that's, Pittsburgh's like, offense, which I, I know, don't trust. I'm just saying. Good so. defenses strangle bad offenses, and they've basically done that back-to-back weeks. I think that's very encouraging if you're a Bills fan, that they've allowed less than 500 yards combined through two games. I mean, they'll easily be the number one defense in terms of yards allowed after this week, and that, that's what you want to see, that you don't need to get 40, 50 points if you're the Bills. And we'll find out
4: what is going on with Tua from a health standpoint. Uh, But what we do know is now the Dolphins one-on-one get the Raiders on the road next week. And we know, and we're going to talk about the Raiders in a little bit, um, are hardly a pushover themselves right now. Uh, So total blowout. We'll see how both these teams um, come out of this game. But definitely a capital S statement, Greggie. By the
2: bills, not mm, early for a statement game. Well, that was kind of thirty-five zip.
3: More by the <laughs> more by the Dolphins, please. What Ooh. statement did they did they make? That it's not going to make anyone in Florida happy.
4: Yeah, they authored a, a a question, a question mark. All right, let's move on. Nailed it. <laughs>
3: <laughs> now the delay runs up the middle bounces off a hit carries
1: out of another tackle across the 15 slips another hit driving inside the five
0: Push and fighting
4: his way to the one yeah. pushing his way to the end zone here's the end touchdown patriots oh. relentless damian harris bob sochi with zolak hollering in the background patriots radio network yes that was damian harris The man who cost the Patriots a game against the Dolphins in Week 1, breaking, by my count, eight tackles on his way to the end zone against the Jets, his 26-yard touchdown run. Essentially the clincher in New England's 25-6 win over the Jets at the Meadowlands. And yes, Bill Belichick unleashed his rookie QB voodoo, forcing my boy, the boy that shall lead us, well, nowhere today. Zach Wilson into four interceptions, no touchdowns, and the Jets are off to an 0-2 start for the 300th consecutive season.
2: Hmm. I saw, you know, at one point he had four interceptions and four completions. Like, I guess compare this game. I'm curious, Dan, to the the seeing ghosts game and in some of the early, early Darnold games. Right. A lot of people
4: are drawing that comparison, and with Darnold and the Monday night seeing ghosts game, that was. Obviously a disaster. It was a different type of disaster, though, because with Darnold in that game, uh, it was clear that Belichick had cooked up a game plan that had flummoxed the young quarterback at the time. He was confused. That's why he said, I'm seeing ghosts. He was expecting something and getting another thing. And I'm sure there were moments in this game for Zach Wilson uh, where the same thing happened. But this was a lot of the mistakes you saw from Wilson, especially o- early didn't seem like a confused quarterback it seemed like a quarterback who hasn't quite learned yet what he can and cannot get away with at this level in the NFL there were uh, interceptions where you had someone flash open underneath and he would keep his eyes downfield and try to fit one downfield and get getting burned uh by deflections and a uh, ball being a little too high and then ending up in interception because the patriots are a opportunistic defense and if you try to make those type of plays If you're not completely on your game, you're going to get burned. So I thought it doesn't mean that I feel any better than I did after the ghost game for Darnold, but I I saw a different type of issue for a Jet quarterback. And the frustrating thing here is these two teams were basically even um, today. Mm. The only thing that wasn't even was the quarterback for the green team Uh, wasn't there and wasn't competitive in the game. And Zach Wilson is going to hopefully learn from this and grow from this and get better as opposed to regress and and develop some type of issues off a bad game like this. But I thought the Jets were much better in pass protection. They actually ran the ball well. The defense, especially given all the picks, really did a nice job uh, holding the Patriots down. Mac Jones didn't really have too many splash plays at all in this game. He was a lot of of checkdowns. But ultimately – A good team like the Patriots, and I don't think the Patriots are great, but I think they're a good team are going to eventually uh, take control of a game when the other quarterback is doing things like Zach Wilson was doing, and that's what New England did.
3: I mean, I see that the Jets had 9 of 12 drives go for under 40 yards, so they just couldn't get anything going. Uh, I mean, I'm a little surprised mostly just because, you know, and you're learning a lot of new things, but this was meant to be a Shanahan offense, which is so quarterback-friendly. And you're saying the protection was better. So last week what I thought I saw from Zach Wilson was that he overcame punishment and early mistakes to shine, to show you uh, why they drafted him. I mean, even within that ugly game itself from a team, just totally absent of that today, is he not seeing the field?
4: It was just a bad day. It was, It was. and when you watch, you'll see it. it there was. He was just trying to do too much, and as the mistakes piled up, um, and perhaps it's a credit to him because we know that he has all the arm talent in the world, and he's a guy that's known for being able to extend plays and create splash plays. It got to the point by you know, the second quarter the third quarter where it felt like he was trying to come up with like 20-point plays uh, to get mm. the team back in the game, and I think there's coaching involved there too, and you need, whether it's Robert Sala or Michael Fleur or just his teammates, there's got to be a way to say, hey, man, you got to calm it down here. Um, you know get things back under control I even thought at a certain point maybe it's a good idea to get him out of the game um, in the way that the Brian Flores uh, handled Tua last year because I don't think it was going anywhere positive but uh, they were looking for something
2: to take out of the end of the game it just never happened mm. I mean the Jets out the Patriots by seven yards but isn't like the, the game you're kind of describing almost the description of Mac Jones versus Zach Wilson coming into the league like yeah Zach Wilson's got a much higher ceiling. almost every team would have taken Zach Wilson ahead. I'm sure they still would and you were you know you're saying during this game, and I can't disagree from what I've seen like Mac Jones has a like a mid career Alex Smith vibe to him already and and maybe that's not going to be thrilling but i but this was a day where like all he had to do was not turn the ball over and that like that ultimately outplays Zach Wilson yeah. and
4: two weeks in with the Patriots to me it my feeling entering the season was I felt like they could be a 9 or 10 win team, a wild card type team, and if this is who Mac Jones is now, I think they're in very good hands because they're going to play maybe not the most exciting brand of football, but it will be ball control. He will he will make occasional plays. He had a couple of really nice throws in this game, and then because of that defense, which I think is going to continue to evolve and grow and get better, um, I think they're going to win a lot of games. So uh, I'm, I still see Buffalo as the favorite in this division, but I, I think – there's a pecking order developing now after two weeks, where it's Buffalo, the Pats are frisky, the Dolphins have big question marks now, and the Jets are. It's going to be a very long season, and you just hope that this isn't going to snowball for Zach Wilson. Uh, but obviously, the first Jets home game in you know two years, fans fill up that building. And it's just hyper disappointing because you just want you knew it was possible because that's what Belichick does. I talked about it on the Thursday preview show when uh the Patriots Twitter account put out that um video of Belichick praising Zach Wilson's talent. You knew he was cooking <laughs> up something evil and and I don't even know if he did to be honest with you It, it wasn't something where I thought that the pats were brilliantly schemed up something here. I think Wilson just had a really bad hey, welcome to the NFL type game. And I hope he shakes it off.
2: Hmm. Nick Folk Revenge game, by the way, became, uh, you know, set the all time Patriots record for consecutive kicks. Move aside, Adam Vinatieri. Move aside, Guskowski. <laughs> it's the Nick Folk Revenge game getting in the record. How books old is Nick in Folk, by the way? I don't know. He's, they 52, don't even try to 53. attempt anything over 44 yards. So that's part of the reason uh, he has the streak. But you, you got to. You know what? He's
4: a nice match for this Patriots team, too. <laughs> right. Uh, all right, let's move on.
1: They need inches, inches to win the game. Jimmy, he's going to pat Max butt and come forward and pick up a first down. The 49ers will win the game, and they will go to
4: 2-0. Greg Papa with the call for KGO. Jimmy G. Hey, he's still in there. He got the kid, Trey Lance, waiting for his turn, but if the Niners keep winning... We'll see. Anyway, so Jimmy G gets the sneak to clinch it, and for the second straight week, the 49ers defense got a stop it needed late in the game uh, in a 17-11 win over the Eagles. Greg, the Niners have showed us through two weeks that I guess either side of the ball is capable of carrying the day, and that's a good trait to have.
2: It is. I didn't know what to take away from this game. You know, Sometimes, like, two teams play and just one has to win, and you right. don't have to have some, like, gigantic takeaway. Like, my biggest one was... You know, the 49ers are way better with Nick Bosa. Like, that was my biggest one. He had two sacks in this game. I thought he made a huge impact in week one. He made a huge impact in this game. They felt like two very very evenly matched teams, and the Eagles missed so many opportunities to take a big lead in the first half, and it came back to bite them. They led at one point in yardage 204 to 64 the 49ers for the first time in kyle shanahan's tenure did not have a first down in the first quarter and it wasn't because the eagles had the ball the whole time they had three drives three and out three and out three and out the eagles get inside the 10 at one on one drive which ended with a failed attempt at a philly special with greg ward throwing uh throwing a pass Uh a very philly special looking like play. they had six plays Inside the four, they had first and goal at the one. And I guess that's my other second takeaway. Okay, number one, Nick Bosa good. Number two, someone's got to win. Number three, I even got three. Nice. The Eagles let me down in terms of their short yardage I mean- and their dynamic running game. I thought their short yardage and dynamic running game was like going to be really tough to prepare for. And that was what let them down, is they had many opportunities in short yardage where they couldn't keep um, drives going, including that time on the goal line. And that ended up being the game.
3: It does feel like you're starting to learn more, obviously, with each new week. Where the Eagles last week played the Falcons' defense, and we saw the Falcons' defense today mostly collapse again. And so you're going to get it's a different version of Jalen Hurts and the passing game and him on the ground. But I look at like the Niners; they are secretly very banged up. Um, Trey Sermon left with a concussion. The Eagles also lost Brandon Graham with a was it an Achilles? Mm -hmm. I mean, some of these. I feel like every game today seemed to have some sort of laundry list of carnage. The Eagles
2: had a terrible day because they lost two of their best players. I mean, Graham for the season, you know, he's so big on that defensive line. And then Brandon Brooks, their great all pro guard, left pretty early in this game and never came back. And so they definitely had a rough day. Kind of a bummer this game, right? I mean, I, I didn't get a yes. chance to see it yet, but a
4: 17 11 final, you thought these were two, you know, two teams coming off kind of exciting week one games. Greg, this was not what you were expecting, I'm sure.
2: No, Josh Norman started at cornerback. I guess you got to give the 49ers credit for finding a way to get a tough victory in a game where the Eagles looked very good up front, especially on the defensive line again. Like that's going to keep them in games and, and pretty much their offensive line too at least uh, protecting. But you start Josh Norman against uh across from Lance Lenore. That's their fourth and fifth cornerback starting, you're down a couple starters there. Verrett's gone for the season. Uh, you don't get anything going. Jimmy G had a C-minus game, I think, uh, in the first half. Um, but that's the thing about Kyle Shanahan. Like, he gave him answers in the second half. It also was like a little fluky. Like, Hertz had a a 90-yard play where they don't quite get the touchdown uh, on a beautiful throw. He had another what looked like a long touchdown where Jalen Rager stepped out of bounds. And so it was overturned upon review because he was like an inch out of bounds. So it was just like those little margins do, here. Do you think, and it's early,
4: but the Niners are two and zero. that's the best you could possibly be at this stage of the game. But do you think there's a scenario where Kyle Shanahan watches this film and, and starts thinking about the quarterback position, even if they are winning, or do you think as long as they win, Jimmy G is going to keep rolling as a
2: starter? I think if the running game continues to struggle and it it basically did today, you know, Mitchell only had forty two yards. I I wonder if he wants to play Lance more to really jumpstart the running game they didn't need it today because their defense played so well but I, I felt like Jimmy G was like a bad third quarter away from seeing J- Trey Lance and then he played a perfect third quarter and they made the plays when it matter I
3: mean the only thing is they've got Green Bay next and we don't know that you know that not the worst place to deal with on a defense but Seattle after that then the Cardinals then the buy so the question is like if Trey Lance you know it's he can be sprinkled in and be very effective is he ready to run the offense you know and they didn't Point put him in
2: for a play today. No, not even a I spring play. I think that's line.
3: telling to some degree, especially in a game that this was this tight. Hmm. I think
2: so. The, the Some of the 49ers reporters made the case like this was not the game for Trey Lance because ultimately Philly was, felt like they were winning up front. You had to get the ball out quickly, and you had to like make quick decisions with the ball. and That's fine, but Jimmy G's got to play a little better than he did for most of this game. you
4: know, there also goes another, like, fun theory we all had entering the season that Kyle Shanahan was going to be doing cartwheels, doing all this wild stuff with Trey Lance. Well, he did throw a touchdown in week one, but otherwise it's been pretty much Jimmy G's show uh, so far.
3: But one one theory on that, what would be better than to, because it's such a week-by-week league in terms of our reaction, that we now get off this Trey Lance Bus and then next week they play the Packers and he totally unleashes them. I maybe mean, it's like maybe. That's what he's waiting for. Right. Put everyone into a nap, and then then pour a big bucket of cold water on like a two hundred people. How about I a, mean, like, I think
2: Hertz, Hertz is kind of an example of what maybe a Trey Lance offense might look like. It was very boomer bust. There's not a lot of chain moving throws. There was a couple of big time throws. You, you you have the running from Hertz, um, but it felt very like erratic. And I don't know if that's what Kyle Shanahan was.
4: Speaking a big bucket of cold water, Ricky Hollywood. You know, we talked about it, uh, Mark. That dense fog. Ooh. Uh, when we 're trying I don't to even discern know what
2: dense means in this uh, the situation this, uh, between uh, Ricky
4: and Greg and uh, Greg right. tried to get her kicked out of the picks competition. Ricky had a chance to make a statement herself, uh, but she locked up the the Eagles so uh, yeah. Erica the. Yeah.
5: Yeah, no, it was it like kinda like Greg said. Like I was just even watching this game, it was just like uh so you know, I, I wanted to hang some onions and I, I thought the Eagles might might do it, but I was wrong.
2: I had them to win too. They were my favorite upset pick of the week. Right. They they hurt me. They yeah. hurt me. I, I feel like in general when you try to hang onions, Ricky, it's
4: not gonna be um effective. Just from well, an what, anatomical angle. What
5: was that radio station last week? <laughs> <laughs>
3: Dan just went there with the anatomy. We were thinking it. He went there. All right. Let's, That's why I like Dan.
4: Uh, there's another team. I love you too, buddy. Another, here's two more teams that uh, were looking to keep their season undefeated through two weeks. Only one team gets to do it, though. Darnold gives to McCaffrey on the counter. McCaffrey to the 10. McCaffrey to the, the 5. Home. And McCaffrey insists on the end zone. <laughs> touchdown, Carolina. He was not going to give up until he got there. And
1: McCaffrey's first touchdown of the season.
4: Nick Mixon with the call Panthers radio network. Did he say he insists he gets in the end zone? That's a good way to put it. If to, That's what I like said, it. Again. Because that is what CMC does. And he's added again. The superstar running back went over well over 100 yards for the second straight week uh, from scrimmage, adding a touchdown this week and a 26, seven win over the saints. Speaking of week one narratives going up in flames who look nothing like the team that pantsed, The Packers in Jacksonville last week. Mark, Panthers looking certifiably frisky after back-to-back home wins.
3: They do, and I I, I tend to think it's legitimate um, because I think a lot of it has to do with the growth of their defense, which was incredibly disruptive today, and really put it to the Saints. They had six first downs in the entire game, New Orleans. 128 yards total and three yards per play. They they also what? I mean wait they, did you just say they, they were, had
2: 128 yards total?
3: They were yes, It's six were, first downs. That's impossible. That,
2: it, it was the it, it was the lowest since 1997 for the Saints. This is the
4: same if, Saints if you, team that had 38 and five touchdowns from Jameis last week.
3: Well, I think I think number one though, I, I do think that if you're the Saints, you went through a terrible week. You had no Marshawn Lattimore on defense, no Marcus Davenport, uh, CGJ Chauncey Gardner Johnson was not in there. I mean. They were, part of it was Carolina's offense. They just looked today, Carolina, Joe Brady is their offensive coordinator, Phil Snow on defense, very well coached. We've talked about that coming into this. Their pass rush for the second week in a row caused total havoc for Jameis Winston. Jameis Winston got into the scenario, which we've sort of wondered what he would be in this, where he threw a couple floaters up, ill-advised, picked off. And we didn't get the Jameis Winston from a week ago who, you know, not a lot of yards but was efficient and scoring touchdowns and, you know, seeing the field, we thought differently. Um, Alvin Kamara had five yards rushing in this game. Carolina went in with a plan and completely <laughs> had their way with, it, with the Saints. And so maybe the Saints are an up-and-down team or, or they're matchup-based, um, but they don't match up well with Carolina. And I'll tell you one thing. Whoa. Sam Darnold also looked really good in this game. This might have been – I think this was Sam Darnold's – the best game of his career. Um, he fits so well with the weapons in this offense, and, and, you know, of course, getting CMC back, who I think just breaks the will of opponents. Because there were a number of times in this game where, you know, New Orleans could have maybe come back in, and it was always McCaffrey dropping a bomb on the on the opposition and just creating, you know, converting one more first down. Darnold was very clean. He had one lost fumble, I believe it was. Yeah, he had a fumble at one, one stage. It was really the only mistake. Um, they had a blocked field goal. They got into a little bit of a trap, Carolina, where you thought New Orleans, if they're going to have any life, would come back in, but they had no life. They had no answer, and I think this is one where Sean Payton, as great of a coach as he is, just did not have the resources to deal with, Carolina, with what Carolina brought. And it is not lost on me, Twitter, and I'm, I'm sure
4: you, know, you think you're clever. It is not lost on me that Sam Darnold has been good through two weeks. Uh, while the Jets are 0-2 and the rookie just threw four picks. I obviously am watching this, but I also, if you want to go back on Twitter and check the last three or four years, I always thought Sam Darnold could play. I I think I had like 10 different tweets where I said, Sam Darnold is not the answer for the Jets. I think if you put Sam Darnold in a positive situation, the Jets didn't have a Sam Darnold problem. The Jets had a Jets problem, and they still do, and that's why Zach Wilson, in part, struggled so much today. Darnold has a shot here. Now, one thing I do want to see, uh, because I know we're off and running with Sam Darnold is great now as a narrative in general um, in our league, (laughs) is same thing with Jameis Winston. I do want to see Sam Darnold when things aren't all going their way, when they're not out front early, because I did see a lot of that last year when he would press, like Jameis Winston's been known to do, and the turnovers start coming. So I don't think we're in the clear yet, but it is a very promising start. And as much as it uh, annoys me that my rookie quarterback failed, I am legitimately happy for Darnold because he
2: deserves this second shot of things. I mean, they put the bang thing on him. I mean, 128 yards of 383, it's just preposterous. I mean, Saints fans who were waiting to kind of get the feeling of what the post-Drew Brees era, this is it. When you fall down... Sometimes, you know, you're not going to be coming back that easily necessarily right now. This team has been through a lot. I I don't think it has been given that much attention that they've been on the road for 4 weeks now. They're living in hotel rooms, their families, their houses, everything like that like their lives have been shaken up. Their roster is decimated by injuries right now. I didn't even know CD Deuce was out of this game. So they were they were out their top two corners, you know, their best pass rusher, a, a lot going on. Um, on the roster, you do wonder if that's like a cumulative effect. And, oh, by the way, you're going up against this Panthers defense who looks freaking legit. We know Matt Rule is a good offensive coach and that he's going to create yards. He did it with Teddy Bridgewater. They just didn't finish drives with Teddy, but they moved the ball up and down the field. We know – I'm not surprised about the offense. It's the defense that looks in year two like it is really coming together. And I think with Shaq Thompson changing to number seven, something happened. He turned <laughs> from like a borderline – Pro bowler, very good player, but then you put the seven on. He's Ray Lewis, Ray Nitschke, Brian Urlacher, (laughs) Bobby Wagner all rolled up into one. Shaq Thompson suddenly like the best player in the league.
3: Yeah, I mean, his back-to-back performances were incredible. Brian Burns is legit. I mean, you know, the way they went about this, they drafted all defense a year ago, and, you know, you think maybe two or three of those hit, and they're fitting together really well. Again, I think Phil Snow um, had a great plan coming into this. And they asked Brian Burns, Ricky has this sound, is this a fluke or is this maybe a playoff team? Let's hear what he had to say. Do you
0: think this is a playoff team? Yeah, facts. What did
2: he say? Yeah, facts. Yes, <laughs> facts. Let's, let's hear yeah, that again. Facts. Let's hear that again, Brian. It's such a long clip.
0: Do you think this is a playoff team? Yeah, facts.
2: Yeah. I-
4: How about the <laughs> – ske- look at the schedule for the Panthers, by the way. They got the Jets in week one at home. They got the Saints with all their issues at home in week two. They That's go a to Houston game. You
2: got to give them their props there. Okay.
4: They go to Houston next week for the Texans. Then they're at the Cowboys home for the Eagles home for Vikings at giants at Falcons. That's their first half. They they have a chance mm. to to get out of the first half with five or six wins, uh, especially if they keep playing like this.
3: Well, and then you find out that, you know, potentially half the NFC South is fraudulent and that boosts your win total. And, you know, I picked them as a wild card team, not just Lina, because I like that rule, but because, Lina. you know, I, I honestly think that if you're going to be a successful organization, you need to make that jump in 3 years. 2 is pushing it a little bit, but there was a lot to like about what was going on on offense already, and they're just really well organized, and I think that they caught they almost caught more teams by surprise a year ago. Now they're doing it for real and Arrow Up if you're a Carolina Panthers fan. Uh speaking of Arrow Up, the Denver
0: Broncos. Keep you go into your shower feeling I said, I said OG, oh, you think I can get paid and go back and play in college because it ain't it?
1: <laughs> check out Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano on the iHeartRadio app, DraftKings YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts.
4: Got the Jacksonville Jaguars in week two. Let's check in on that. Quick throw, right side, pass, caught, bam, stepped out of tackle, fair to the end zone, touchdown Broncos! Did you see, actually, on the subject of keep pounding, that the Panthers, in their infinite wisdom, tried to quietly discontinue that from their game presentation.
2: Keep pounding,
4: and the fans went nuts. They're like, "Where's keep pounding? You don't get really like we're just pounding.
2: trying to keep pounding.
4: Let us keep pounding." And I don't even—I don't know for sure, but I assume keep pounding returned. Back. It can only mean good things.
3: I mean, it's not a good idea to go against what, you know, a vast majority of your fan base feels some sort of identity towards. So maybe, they, you know, the course correct Sam Mills thing. It was,
2: it was right. absolutely. It's kind of like, I think the Red Sox had the idea. Let's let's kill sweet Caroline after seven years. It's basically like the most embarrassing thing um, since us being like the last team to sign like a, a black player in the MLB. But it's like, no, the fans, they had to bring back sweet Caroline. That's what it's like. It
4: pounded. Teddy Bridgewater threw two touchdown passes, one of them to tight end Noah Fent. You heard that. And the Broncos rolled to a 23-13 win over the Jaguars. How about this for a stat? Denver is 2-0 for the seventh time in nine years. Okay. I don't know if that just surprised me. Greg, the Broncos also got a breakout game from Cortland Sutton in this one. So, uh, you know, cushy schedule or no, arrow up for the Denver Broncos.
2: Major arrow up. I mean, the Broncos... They are the team of Thal. I mean, I'd be two and zero in the locks if I just took the Broncos each week. I'm a I'm a loser. The Fangio locking. never won a, a game um, in September before this before this season, and this is all you can do. You can't talk about the opponents of like, okay, you got lucky. You were on the road oh, yeah. and you absolutely destroyed two other two teams. Like the the scores in both of these Broncos games, I don't think have been as indicative of how one sided. Uh, These two games were they gave up a first drive touchdown to Trevor Lawrence, who made three or four great throws on that drive. And the Jaguars didn't do anything else the rest of the game. Teddy was better, I think, this week, even than a year ago. Thirty four throws for three twenty eight. You lose Jerry Judy and Cortland Sutton is showing up like this looks like a good NFL team. And it's almost like we're already taking that for granted. But this has been a loser of a franchise for a, a little while now, and they already look absolutely legit. I, I want to see them against better competition, but stomping down on some Jaguars, especially defensively, like that is showing me that this defense, I think, is going to be there week after week.
3: I mean, I got to ask you, because I see that uh, you know, Trevor Lawrence was 10 of 23 on pass attempts of 10-plus air yards. Marvin Jones leads with 55 yards. Your next leading receiver is a tight end. James O'Shaughnessy with 24. So, I mean, it's the second week in a row where, outside of a couple throws that you mentioned from Lawrence, like the offense feels like a non starter. Do you see an identity in this Urban Meyer offense?
2: No, he looks lost. Trevor Lawrence looks lost. I mean, he got a tough draw uh, these first two weeks. I know people don't think the Texans are a tough draw, but what Lovie Smith just was like backing off, the, the book's out right now. On him. And I mean, Fangio is going to show you a lot before the snap, change it up after the snap. They did not need to pressured Trevor Lawrence to scramble his brain um it, it was it was a tough situation but also two of the interceptions he had were incredible plays Kareem Jackson like i thought of west cuz west loves kareem jackson just Sprinting across the field out of nowhere, those are plays not being made in the SEC. And then Patrick Sertan, you know their their top ten pick, made an unbelievable jumping interception on on the sideline. So this this Broncos secondary, I think, is is right there with the best in the league. Denver's defense absolutely feels legit. And after they completely
4: confused Trevor Lawrence, they get Zach Wilson and the Jets next week. So you figure that will not be easy. Uh, for Wilson after Lawrence, the number one overall pick, struggled in this game. And, you know, circling back to Cortland Sutton, you know, he has such great tools, and he's a guy that everybody thinks very highly of, and he, he just came up on the year anniversary of of the knee injury that cost him all of last year uh, for the most part. So for him now to have nine for 159, uh, including, I like a Brilliant, I saw the 55-yarder, that started the second half. Um, It comes at a perfect time because we talked about it on the preview show and on the network show that when Jerry Judy goes down, you're like, "Uh uh-oh, how is Teddy going to get things going? Well, if Sutton is now back and certainly
2: this effort shows you that he just might be, that is a huge lift for this offense. It's huge. I mean, he doesn't look as explosive, but I think he's just such a good route runner and technically, um proficient and smart and teddy seems to have a great connection with these guys fans making play i mean teddy has balled out these two games he has he has exceeded even my expectations is this is like a tough bar to for him to stay this good all season i don't expect it um but he has played like near perfect football for teddy
3: i mean you've been thankfully um not overly vocal we were in our our office for the first time for on on sunday you know in eons and you didn't hear Greg crowing about that, which was which I appreciate. I mean, you also on defense. Von Miller, Bradley Chubb play their first game together since, I think, the fourth game of the 2019 season. I mean, they plan for them Although to be Chubb together got hurt week again. after week. And that Chubb cannot stay in that lineup.
5: Yeah,
2: it's a problem.
4: He re-aggravated that ankle injury uh, in the second quarter and looked pretty upset as he came off the field. So you wonder if that kind of restarts his clock and maybe even then some on getting back on the field. We shall see. So that would be the only, I guess, big... Um uh, bit of negative news for the Broncos, but otherwise, Greg, arrow up.
2: They're looking for good the team of Jack's team Foul is looking bad. Team it's of Foul. Team of T H A. I don't know. It doesn't really work. It doesn't uh, work. let's head to the dog pound.
0: Mayfield takes it, gives it, chubb runs. 25,
4: 20, 15, 10, 5, he's in! Touchdown! Nick
0: Chubb!
5: He didn't jump you.
0: Oh! What a run!
3: Ah, what a run. Did he say he didn't chub you? I don't. I'm not sure what how to translate that. I want to that. know more
4: about what was happening in this game and in the booth between Jim Donovan and Doug Deacon the Browns Radio Network. Yes, Nick Chubb, 26 yards to the house. And Baker Mayfield threw his first touchdown pass of the season, also ran for one, leading the Browns to a 31-21 win over the Texans. At another fan homecoming game, this time in Cleveland, Mark, a strong showing by Tyrod Taylor was producing some upset vibes until Taylor exited the game with a hamstring injury, and then it was over.
3: Yeah, I think it was another reminder. I mean, with Tyrod Taylor in there, this Texans team is not as advertised. They are friskier. Um, they're veteran-laden. And Tyrod Taylor was 10 for 11 and moving the ball up and down on Cleveland's defense. Um, by the way, Cleveland's secondary. I know that it's a bunch of new faces, and that was another um, heavily dipped in milk and cream narrative that we talked about 525 times. Um, you know, between February and September, they didn't look a whole lot different to me than last year. They, they gave up one big play after the next. Davis Mills came in, and after initially being, you know, really jolted around. Um, he found his form, too, and so I think that's a concern for Cleveland because this is a game that you think you'd want to control from wire to wire. It was much closer than that, where Cleveland um, found themselves, and I think it's you know reassuring because it's who they are. They just started to run the ball nonstop down the stretch, and the combination of Kareem Hunt, Nick Chubb, and catching the ball as well, Demetrik Felton, their, I, I think, steal of a rookie out of UCLA who has a little bit of Eric Metcalf in him, and a little bit of some other athletes mm. that are frisky? Um, Started, you know, they They didn't do a whole lot with him last week. He today was a big impact. He had a, it was like a thirty-three yard rip up the middle touchdown run that helped them a lot. Um, but it came down to just being who they were, and they and they stopped being cute. Baker Mayfield had um, a tough interception, but I, he finished the game again. You know, statistically, he was nineteen for twenty-one. He was real clean. Um, He made some nice throws, but they lost Jarvis Landry to a knee knee injury early. We know that Odell Beckham was not in there. So it was, you know, your third, fourth, and fifth guys out there and your tight ends making plays. And so I think that limited them a little bit. uh, But still, there was no excuse to lose this game. They pulled it out. Um, You know, I'll take win ugly over, you know, 25 years of losing ugly, um, but it wasn't one where you walk into your week if you're the Cleveland Browns Mm. thinking – we are what everyone says we are. There's a lot of work to do.
4: Mayfield went 10 for 10 after that first half interception. He hurt his shoulder trying to make a tackle on the pick. and uh, Left shoulder, I left should Left shoulder, mention, non-throwing, and he had to pop the shoulder back in the socket. Uh, so yeah. obviously, you know, he's a tough guy, and hopefully that's not something that becomes a troublesome issue for him as the season goes along. Miles Garrett had this to say, Marky. He's like Brett Favre of 2.0, less picks, though referring to his
3: toughness. Oh, I will say this about Mayfield. There's, I can think of four or five times where you can tell that he was physically damaged and he refused to come out. I mean, even going to the locker room today, it was like 0.8 seconds later that he was running back out. And so I, I think the toughness is one of his traits.
2: Yeah, I don't know about the Brett Favre thing. If anything, he well, seems I know everyone's going to have an issue safe. with that, but I mean, he I'm just played, saying five, one, three, it's, it's straight not MDPs. saying he's
3: all, all parts of Brett Favre. He is. He seems the, very Brett controlled. Favre's well, tough, he's Brett Favre's like without way. the interceptions. Well, it's <laughs> like better than I mean, you I think he is very away controlled. From
4: Favre, he would be he would make Tom Brady look like, uh, you know, Patrick
2: Mahomes. John Beck. He'd be amazing. (laughs) I feel like Baker follows instructions now very well. Like, they are a highly managed offense. He's got a great offensive coach. He's in a great situation. And that's good. That's what you want out of, like, a young quarterback. And I've been impressed. Like, Mark emotionally hasn't really shown many scars here of the, you know, somewhat embarrassing – failure to cover 12 points that that happened here i mean you get davis mills in the game and you can't you can't cover 12 points cleveland browns i mean that stuff is
3: on your radar i mean i I am you know attempting to cover two games at the same time (laughs) i've got sound from both games in my ear i can barely figure out what my name is so to get out of here with a win, I don't care about the spread. I don't. Just, I'm not, you I'm just not, feel
2: you know. like Mills gets in there, you're gonna, you're gonna win that. You know, you're gonna get but, over. Well, Mills them, now it
3: plays happen. on Thursday night against the Carolina well, Panthers. Sounds right like correct. that's where that.
4: it's headed. Uh, which is, I
3: mean, that's gonna be that could be problematic.
4: So, wow, things are really set up well for the Panthers. They get Davis Mills now too.
3: Woo-wee. I see where you're going with this. Woo-wee. I'm just. They haven't really played anyone. You know, they're a soft 2-0. <laughs> well, the Panthers, they'll be a soft 3-0. Like, I, I see them as they they are just dominated a team today. No, didn't the just Panthers slip deserve a
4: ton of credit. I, 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 right. is, but that is a very good setup for them, obviously. It um, is. All right. Browns, Jarvis Landry, by the way. the Texans
3: on week three of TNF anyways? I mean, that, schedule makers, come back to us, please. Jarvis
4: Landry, I believe it's an MCL issue. Uh, we'll see if it costs some time. Um, it ended a streak of having at least two receptions in 111 straight games, leaving this game early. And you just wonder if there's anything to kind of key in on in the week leading up to week three for the Browns. Odell's somewhat mysterious situation now with his health. If Jarvis Landry is unavailable, that puts a little bit more pressure for Odell to get back on the field. And if he's not healthy, he's not healthy. But we'll see what happens with that saga uh, over the next few days. Uh, let us move on.
0: Easton has the shotgun snap. Well protected. Let's it go. Right side. It's picked. Jalen Ramsey at the right sideline secures the week two win for LA.
4: Oh, give me that, my goals. That's my buddy JB Long. In the dying days of summer, I was with Keisha boys and Emily and then JB and his beautiful family and we watched uh, Yachty by Nature and, uh, Tribute Band, all things Yacht Rock. I and was there too partner. by the way.
3: I was also there. <laughs> if you were there,
4: you weren't sitting with us.
3: <laughs> I was, no, I was, I you have a, a little fence area that if you pull up across the, you know, you go down one alleyway, Yes, you can spy on your home, and I often just spy on your home and your backyard, so I, I witnessed the whole thing.
4: A lot, to, a lot to uncover there and break down, but let's focus on the game first. Uh, yes, J.B. Long, ESPN LA. Matt Stafford led the Rams on two late scoring drives. Matt Gay made a tie-breaking 38-yard field goal with about two and a half minutes to play, and Jalen Ramsey sealed the game with that late interception. 27-23, Rams over the Colts, who have opened their season – with back-to-back losses at Lucas Oil Stadium. Even worse, Greg, Indy finished the game without Wentz, Carson Wentz, that is, who exited with an ankle injury, and he looked pretty upset on the sideline.
2: Yeah, I just watched Carson Wentz, and I think, why is everything so hard? Like, every play feels like a replay of every Eagles play over the last Few years, and he made some big plays in this game. These two teams looked very even. If you took the uniforms off, you would say like this is like these are two good teams. The Colts failed twice uh, in first and goal situations, and that kind of felt like the difference in the first half, blowing uh, two uh, chances. One of which was on an ugly Carson Wentz shovel pass uh, to no, you know, to the Rams that made no sense whatsoever. But whereas Matthew Stafford feels like. He's thrown to open receivers for the most part. Wentz invites pressure, and he made some plays, but it was just very frantic, and I'm, I'm not saying like he got himself hurt, but this, the combination of how this offense, which is very condensed, is run, and the way Wentz plays, it just seems like a bad recipe. He got hit a lot in this game, and so it almost felt like him leaving the game was a matter of time.
4: It's, that's such a great way. That's a great word to describe Carson Wentz in these last couple of years, frantic it. it he never just seems kind of under control and everything seems like, just like this mad dash, mad scramble to turn a bad play into a good one. And it just doesn't always work out. Um, so that's a tough situation for the Colts and you know, the, 11 QB hits uh, on him too. Ma- that's so that, too many that's hits cool. of course. And Jacob Eason's the backup. So you're not going to get any miracles most likely behind Wentz. And it's only going ampli- to amplify the speculation if Wentz misses time here, that Nick Foles should be in this building because what is Nick Foles doing in the league if he's not backing up Carson Wentz at this point? Let's let's be honest. And for the second straight week, uh, the Colts aren't able to get the running game going here, Greg. You got Jonathan Taylor, who was like a superstar down the stretch last year. You thought he would build on that, but 15 for 51 here with a long of 13.
2: Yeah, partly, I think, game script you know they fell behind and they're they're trying to catch up a little bit as part of it but they're just haven't been effective like it's like we talked about coming into this game that the offensive line doesn't feel like a difference maker and i think their defense was mostly game uh here like i i maybe i misspoke by saying things are easy for stafford cuz i'm imagining like the cup touchdown but the Colts got their hands on a lot of Matthew Stafford passes. They had six passes defensed. Uh, they had an interception. It probably could have been two or three interceptions of Matthew Stafford uh, in this game, which would have made it look a little a little different.
3: That's concerning, but I will say Cup. Last week, Cooper Cup, a seven catches, 108 yards, a touchdown. Ten- today, nine for 163 and two touchdowns. I mean, you have to—the chemistry in the Matthew Stafford signing— was huge for him, and I do hear a sound in the distance, Ricky. Would you please um, amplify the sound that I hear? <laughs> oh
4: yeah, <laughs> uh, you really reeled me in there. I thought there was a, a real uh, production element yeah. about to body rock the show, but that's good. You got the lock too. So, um, Greg, you came into the season really confident, but here you are, zero and two, you now not me confident the sizzler at all. I'm uh, not confident at move all. Move ahead.
2: It's all an act. My wins were in, almost entirely based on randomness and luck, and um, and and now it's going against me. That doesn't sound and like the great
3: win know. Dan, as I was attempting to dance to the bongo dance that you um let us off with, I guess there was—I don't know if it was a tour going through the building. A man and woman, not—I don't think they're from our company—just standing a foot from me, looking at me in this glass <laughs> off thing like an animal. Like it's just there's—I don't—I don't quite get what's happening here. I,
4: I think yeah we'll have to have some conversations with the powers that be to make sure this never happens again. But we are we are soldiering on. Rams two and Colts O and two. What do the Colts have next week? What do we got here for Indy? Because they're in. A, I mean that division. We'll see what's going on in the South. Titans with that big win, they are in Nashville next week.
2: Early big game, man. For Carson Wentz. If he could be on the field, that, lost
4: that would be helpful. Put it that way. Um, all right, let's move on. It's shook time.
0: Car takes a blitz. snap from the gun. Pump fake, gonna go deep down the middle. Got it. Rugs grabs it. Jeff Putt, baby. Henry Rugs goes the distance. Isn't
4: it nice that Brent Musburger there for uh, Compass Media Raiders Radio Network, that's a mouthful, let's just call it CMRRN, even that's a mouthful.
3: Man, that hurts, so.
4: Um, has this like great third act to his career now, living the life, living the Rosenthal dream in Vegas, and gets the call, games for this fun Raiders team. Derek Carr threw for 382 yards and two scores, including that the very pretty 61-yard strike to Henry Ruggs midway through the fourth, and the Raiders topple the Pittsburgh Steelers, 26-17. Now, we welcome in the Pipe, who will talk about quasi-badass Derek Carr, who shredded an ace-Steelers-D for 263 in the second half.
5: I I wrote in the uh, recap today, everybody who hates on Derek Carr, which... You know, that line's pretty long, and it's grown over the years. They all must now line up for their reckoning, because he has had an incredible two first games to this season. And this one, you know, last week was kind of, you could call it fluky. It was a wacky game, even to begin with. This game felt more like a a bit of a prove-it game for Derek Carr. And the fact that they were up by two points on the road in Pittsburgh and very easily could have folded. And what does he do? He drops back, sends one over the middle deep to Henry Ruggs, and sends Brent Musburger into a tizzy in the booth, uh, and ends up winning them the game. So, um, y- you know, the, I think that there's still some to be desired from the Raiders so far, but uh, their receiving core is coming together, and Derek Carr is the one, you know, uh, calling, you know, making all the moves, calling all the shots, and delivering the football accurately to a variety of different pass catchers, and that ends up being the difference. And Carr was banged well, up I, in this I, game too, right, Chuck? Yeah, it was, it was a day of quarterback grit uh, across the league, and especially with uh, Derek Carr, who got rolled up on from behind. I think it might have been Robert Spillane who rolled up on him from behind, and it looked kind of bad. At, at least at first, it looked like it He's could be too. serious. He was on the ground for a while, ends up coming right back into the game, tapes his ankle up, sprints out to the field to test out his foot, and uh, and you can not even tell he was hurt the rest of the game.
3: I would say this. If someone told you a month ago, you know, it's let you uh, make any proposition you'd like, but I'm going to tell you that Derek Carr will beat the Ravens and the Steelers out of the gate. Um, I would have absolutely gone a hard no on that. So respect where it's due. I mean, I want to see him do it over the course of a year. He's in this offense for like the fourth year in a row. He should be growing, um, but no doubt about it. I mean, I would flip it around and ask you about Big Ben because it looked like it was another. Up and down adventure for him on this Sunday? Yeah,
5: and and two things always come away or have come away from watching Big Ben so far this year. One, we know he's old and he can't move like he used to. And the reason that that's important is because number two, that offensive line has not gelled yet. You know, you got multiple new guys, you got a rookie playing center, and they're struggling to protect him or at least consistently. And you come up against a Raiders team that in week one had a pressure percentage over 50% and, you know, caused all kinds of problems for the Ravens. Now they get to feast on Big Ben. And while he's hard to bring down, He's not that difficult to pressure anymore, and and it caused you know it forced him into throwing an interception this week. He actually had a similar situation last week against Buffalo that was called that uh, was overturned by a penalty, but this time he didn't get the break of the penalty and uh, resulted in an interception and, and they frazzled him. Now statistically, he doesn't look terrible, and he still moved the ball, but what they lack is is a consistent run game because of that offensive line again, and it kind of puts them in a position they were in last year where he's forced to throw it over forty times a game, and even in a one score game. Um, You know, they they ultimately couldn't, you know, use that to try to come back. So uh, there is some concern offensively. Their defense is strong, but because of that offensive line is still not a very solid group, I think it's going to take some time.
2: But you just would rather, when, when you're imbalanced, it's 2021, you want the great offense. You know, <laughs> you lose T.J. Watt in this game, so that's a concern. They've played two games. It's, it's early, but... They scored, what, 16 points last week on offense, right? Because they had the punt return? Yeah. And you score 17 this week? You know, that that says it all. If you do that throughout the course of the season, you're going to be among the worst
5: offenses in the league. Yeah, it, it just it doesn't help when – because, like, the Steelers' defense took a noticeable step back as soon as they lost Watt. It kind of makes you think about it because – T.J. Watt's not the most imposing athlete on the field, but he's so effective that when you take him off the field, all of a sudden their pass rush really does lose a lot of that punch that it had, which I think— He's the best pass rusher in yeah, the league. I don't even gotta think prepare it's a for question. Yeah, I right guess now, he wasn't so, on the field right. in that long completion of rugs. T.J. Watt. I mean, I think that's a, a big part mm-hmm. of that. And, and, you know, you talk about you want to be the better offensive team than the defensive team. Well, if you lose your best defensive player and you're already not a good offensive team, you're staring at an uphill climb. He's the Jenga piece of that defense, no doubt. Any early indications on how bad the groin injury is? Is it going to keep him out multiple weeks, or where are we at? Have you heard anything? No, not that I heard, but I do know that as soon as he came out, it was basically no question he wasn't coming back in. They Mm. showed him on the sideline, and it was a pretty quick ruling. At first, it was questionable, and then he ended up being uh, downgraded to out, but it didn't take very long. And just like with
4: Denver, and they need somebody to step up, and Cortland Sutton's that guy, and hopefully uh, Jerry Judy comes back, and he's that guy. As well, uh, his draft classmate, Henry Ruggs, is such a key part to that offense. And seeing him break out here with that long catch, I mean, did was he causing issues all day long? Or was that more just
5: a, a splash play that juiced the uh, box score? What were you seeing from Ruggs? It was a splash play, but he has kind of progressed both last week and this week into a player who I think is going to take that step that Mike Mayock talked about on multiple occasions of the offseason where he simply wasn't a good enough route runner to make a difference last year. I think he's made the progress uh, this year and and is going to continue to be that guy. But I think also he's going to be effective because Derek Carr has no favorites. As much as he targeted Darren Waller Mm. in week one, this Today, he did not have any favorites. He spread it all around. Foster Moreau, Hunter Renfro, especially on third down. He hit up Waller again, goes to Ruggs. He's got a number of guys he can throw the football to, so I think it's going to help Ruggs overall.
3: What did Najee Harris, what are you seeing from him? I saw some interesting tweets. Can't really get him.
5: much going on the ground. Had a highlight real stiff arm, but otherwise wasn't really that effective on the ground. Again, I think that's the offensive line. Did have a very nice touchdown grab. He caught it out of the flat, outran a guy down the sideline, dove to the pylon to, to score. Um, I mean, he's an athlete, and he's a good runner. It's just he needs some room to run, and he isn't getting that so far.
4: Let's check in with the defending champs who drew the Atlanta Falcons. Ryan dropping his old pass, batted in the air, picked off,
0: inside the 10, touchdown Tampa Bay! Mike Edwards has two! Mike has two!
2: Jane
4: Deckerhoff! Mike Edwards closed out his Sunday with back-to-back pick sixes. He'll sleep well, and Tom Brady threw for... 276 and five touchdowns. 44 years old. Now, talking about playing till 50. Are you doubting him? Tampa Bay Buccaneers extend their winning streak to a franchise record 10 consecutive games. That included a Super Bowl dub, of course. 48 25 win
5: over the Falcons. Shook the final score here, though, is a little bit misleading, right? Uh, it depends. How much do you value a quarter of football? Because going into well, the I guess fourth it was quarter was forty eight twenty five. In yeah, 28-25, you know I mean? late third, and the Falcons <laughs> have a legitimate chance to potentially take the lead. But again, you're reminded of the the talent deficiencies of the Falcons. I mean, Cordell Pat, Patterson's their best option out of the backfield right now. They found themselves backed up inside their own five. Uh, it, it was basically a recipe for disaster, which proved to be one. But, um, I mean, they you got to give them credit for performing admirably and cutting down a deficit. I just kept sitting there thinking early in the first half, I was like, this is one of those games where it's a foregone conclusion. It's very clear who the better team is. Can we get this over with already? And yet the Buccaneers let the Falcons hang around for a little bit and credit to them for scrapping their way back into it. But ultimately, they, the Falcons proved to be the Falcons, which it's, it's sad to say in week two, but because of this roster that you know you're dealing with, you knew that mistakes were going to happen and in, in, in an a interception that was basically a, a good play by the defensive back coming in there and, and uh, tipping the ball up and then returning it to the house. That was like, oh, here it comes. Here comes the avalanche. And sure enough... All that snow followed, and before you knew it, they were completely buried.
2: I mean, it's not just that like Brady's throwing for five touchdowns. This is the first time he's ever thrown nine touchdowns in the first two weeks of the season. He's making it look better than he ever has some of the throws today, they weren't, they weren't the fal. It didn't look like it's the Falcons defense, just giving him throws. He was putting balls into tiny windows. He did some arm angle stuff. He's throwing on the move. Occasionally they, you know, at least are calling some like boot action plays for Tom Brady last week. It's blown my mind a little that he's doing it with more style right now. than maybe at any point in his career, like more. Wow. factor. Also from this
4: standpoint, Uh, Either four or five years ago, Tom Brady's on the Patriots and he's in the Super Bowl against Matt Ryan, who's the reigning MVP. And I'm not saying now you fast forward to the present tense and Matt Ryan shot, but Matt Ryan no longer moves as well. He might not throw as well anymore either. He's getting older. And it's just interesting to have a game where you see Matt Ryan being on maybe the other side of his prime and being five or six years younger, eight or nine years younger than Tom Brady. It just once again illustrates what, what Tom Brady's doing is just unheard of. I mean, with, with Matt Ryan, what do you see? And I saw a tweet there, Shook, that uh, Ryan has now perfected the art of the third down sack uh is he able to lead an offense to uh you know big results at this stage what are you seeing through two weeks here
5: well I mean if I could play a theoretical game and put him behind the Eagles offensive line I would say yes but the offensive line that he's playing behind now doesn't really do him any favors and it's funny that you mentioned Tom Brady's mobility or lack thereof because as I was sitting there watching them too well, look we both we all know that Tom Brady is a guy who has not been fleet of foot for the majority if not all of his career right But as I watched Matt Ryan try to escape the pocket and kind of climb it and and find somewhere to throw on a third down in the second half on Sunday, I thought, wow, he's running with concrete in his shoes, which is what I used to think of when I watched Tom Brady run. It's hilarious when you see the two on the field in the same game and the comparison of the two and where they are, and it's also because of the group that's around them. I would say that Matt Ryan can still lead you. I mean, he still had a little improvisation. He had a nice little touchdown pass along the goal line. It's not that he's a terrible quarterback. But he's beyond his prime physically, and he doesn't have the group around him to kind of prop him up and make him Mm. that still very effective quarterback.
3: Well, it's not the year you'd want to put Matt Ryan in a new offense, which he's in, where conversely, Bruce Arians said after the game that Tom Brady, and I think we're seeing this, nine touchdowns in two weeks, as Greg mentioned. I mean, just the way he's playing, the confidence, the creativity of the offense. Arian said he's light years ahead of where he was a year ago. And they, you know, they were seven and five and lost to the Bears at one stage last year. Then went on that toward run and they picked up right where they left off. And they make it look so easy. But I think it matters that Brady is completely comfortable in an attack where Matt Ryan is in week two of Arthur Smith's offense, which looked better than last week's version of it. But you know, it's going to be a long yeah, year. Yeah, I think,
5: you know, Arthur Smith, got he got a little creative this week. He did kind of open some things up that he didn't do last week. I don't really think he had much of an opportunity to last week. But speaking on that Brady point, I think what we're seeing now is the product of a quarterback who has for so often, uh, so much of his career been in this box, right? He's been in the Patriot way, and and he's conducted himself publicly that way. He's come out of his shell since he's gotten to Tampa Bay. He's more expressive. You see him doing more commercials. He does the Tommy and, and Gronky thing where they talk about playing till 50, like you guys said, and, and it kind of shines in his play. It's almost as if he's more relaxed, comfortable, and feels like he can go out and do mm-hmm. what he wants to do. He's not Patrick Mahomes. He's not going to go author some crazy highlight reel play <laughs> in that regard. But I think he's more comfortable and playing freer than he might ever have been before. Let's head to Chicago.
0: Snap to Burrow, Looking right. Throwing right. It's intercepted. Intercepted by Roquan. On his horse. 40, 30,
1: 20, 10, 5. End zone. Touchdown. Touchdown Bears. Pick six.
4: Jeff Johnnyak, WBBM with the call. Roquan Smith returned to interception 53 yards. That was his first career touchdown, one of three straight picks by Joe Burrow during the defining stretch of the Bears' 2017 win over the Bengals. Shook. The Bears finished this game with Justin
5: Fields, who replaced an injured Andy Dalton. What did we see from the kid there? Let's start right there. Well, it was kind of a it was an interesting game to throw him in because it was a defensive slog. I mean, we we third quarter it's seven to three, and and it was seven to nothing going into halftime. It's not like we're seeing a ton of offensive production. And statistically, you look at it; Fields finished with sixty yards passing and an interception that almost opened the door for the Bengals to pull off a crazy comeback win. But mm-hmm. I will say, he does offer a little bit more in terms of the fact that he can get mobile. You know, he scrambled on third down to get a key first down to keep the ball out of the Bengals' hands and ultimately win the game. Um, I think there's still a lot to be desired from that offense, and I think a lot of that has to do with the fact that there's uncertainty and instability at the quarterback position with – you know what Andy Dalton's ceiling is, and it, how, are you going to throw Justin Fields in for a few plays? Oh, wait, now he's got to come in and play every play. Um, it's It just seems like they're not really on the right track. The only positive that I really pull from them uh, offensively is you know what you have at pass catcher from you know Allen Robinson and, and whatnot. David Montgomery has played really well. The stats don't show it, but like when he runs the ball, well, today they didn't really show it. I think he had three yards of carry, but when he runs the ball, you're like, man, that guy's running hard. That guy makes people miss. He runs through tackles. You just wish that he had more opportunities, which I think he might get over time. That could help Justin Fields, but it's not like it was a resounding performance from Fields.
3: Mm.
2: I mean, it's, again, it's 2021. They dropped back to pass 27 times. They had 83 passing yards. The Bears, that's a fiasco. We should be giving the Bears some props. They did just go win a game like that. That's nice. Um, But if they can design an offense around Fields, assuming Andy Dalton is not going to, recover and or take back the starting job, which would seem surprising at this point. Maybe it can be different because whatever this passing game is, like it wasn't working today. I kind of have a feeling this Bengals defense is going to be decent all year, and they've definitely been that through, through two weeks. They've been, they've been pretty good. But, but still, 27 dropbacks for 83 yards is, is a fiasco. Yeah. <laughs> and you won. And you won the yep. game. So that must mean Joe Burrow had uh equal or, or almost. Well as what much
3: happened with <laughs> this Joe Burrow like insane meltdown? I mean three straight yeah, picks. Yeah, three straight here. picks
5: on three straight passes. Um basically the Bears gave the, the Bears defense gave them this victory. And it was it started with the Roquan picks uh, that we heard in that clip and then it just kind of snowballed from there. Um, You know, Burrow threw another pass, forced it to a one-on-one coverage. Jalen Johnson made a nice play on But if you look at it, there's no reason he should ever be throwing there because he's essentially blanketed, and Johnson just made a nice play on the ball. And then the third interception was Burrow in his face just trying desperately to deliver the ball, get rid of it, gets knocked up in the air and easily intercepted. It gives the Bears great field position. Not that much of a challenge for them to try to turn it into points. Roquan with one of those touchdowns. And then all they had to do was hang on and hope that their own offense didn't shoot themselves up in the foot enough to give the Bengals a chance to Mm. come back.
2: Even the long, you know, chase touchdown was on a pretty underthrown yeah. ball by Burrow, so it's just gonna—I don't know. Coming off the ACL, there's gonna be ups and downs, and it. it's a reminder to the Wessling brothers: like Nick really wanted to take the Bengals, Phil really wanted to take uh, the Seahawks. It didn't matter. So you guys should You're just take it either way. And, you know. I have friends. a little quick
5: story. I yes. bought a butterfly wind chime um, because of. Lakeisha was saying that when she sees butterflies, she thinks that, she, you know, it reminds her of Wes or when the wind chimes go off. And so I found a butterfly wind chime the other day, and so I bought it, and it's hanging outside my window. And as the Bengals lost, I kid you not, <laughs> the wind chime went off. And I don't know what that means, if it means anything, but it did make me laugh today during Probably
4: that Probably yelling, yelling at – yelling at – uh <laughs> his brother forever thinking to lock Cincinnati,
2: <laughs> which really made me smile today.
0: It's
4: definitely yelling. That's what the wind chime is representing <laughs> there. Um, all right. Hey, Shooky. Thank you, buddy. And I was saying to Mark earlier in a private moment that I'm going to make public now uh, in the newsroom that I envied Uh-oh. the way, um, Kyle Brandt filled out a t-shirt. Um, and I just have to say, I don't Maybe Nick beats out Kyle. I mean, look at the <sighs> look the way that thing just pours over his
2: body. Straight cash on me.
3: <laughs> it's yeah. Hard work pays off. Nick I would Shook. give the advantage to I'd give the advantage to Shook on just sheer bulk. Um I think Kyle's bulking up came in one off season, if I remember correctly, that kind of stunned people. I mean Shook I feel like it's probably been muscle bound since age six and a half or seven. I feel like that's just sort of what your body no, is like. No, not but, true. I mean, I got pretty know.
5: decent genes, but it was—I uh, was a late bloomer, Mark. In fact, I started high school at about five foot six, one hundred and forty pounds. So, Greg, five six. Yeah. Hey, so don't you uh, were Greg
3: in high school, and then now you yeah. became this. See, that's a lesson. So we can all dream. Yeah, don't
2: don't knock right. uh, five. Five six one forty. We can't even you know, see it. Dial that down a little bit. Make it one thirty and five the one one seventy. They're just
4: falling all over. You. Um, <laughs> all right, there you go. Good five six talk. Shooky, thank you, buddy. A treat is right. always for us.
5: Oh, and Dan, by the way, uh, yeah. the, the the pipe thing, much to Greg's dismay, totally catching on uh, according to Twitter this week. So good for you.
4: Because it's a great you are.
5: F-ing nickname. <laughs> <laughs> we'll go with that. All right, we'll thank you, that. Nick. See you guys on to
4: Sunday night football.
3: Sunday
5: night. This monster offensive line. You've got extra offensive linemen in there.
2: Chiefs had to make sure they don't jump. And Jackson will get the first down and, in effect, end the
4: game. Go on with
0: it, John Harbaugh.
4: Oh, we like to talk about onions on this program. John Harbaugh. He hung them. With the game on the line. But it's easy to do that. Or easier when Lamar Jackson's your quarterback. Lamar Jackson on fourth and one near midfield. Gets the yardage necessary. Clinching a big time comeback victory for the Baltimore Ravens who outscore the Chiefs. 12-zip in the fourth. En route to a 36-35 win in Baltimore. Just a massive win. Greg. Greg. And, Mark, uh, for the Ravens, who looked like they were going to get run out of the building and instead run into week three on fire.
2: Kryptonite no more. Lamar Jackson gets the monkey off his back. I mean, things are going against the Ravens
3: all I can't week even, long. Mark, I,
4: can't even, I can't even track like Greg's favorite players anymore. I mean, there's 700 so... players, and Greg loves 696. Who, who's That's, the favorite? Also?
3: He's taken
2: 696 for himself. Hey, guess what? The rest of America loves Lamar Jackson. With me, join the bandwagon. He's fun to watch, and this game and this organization. No matter what happens the rest of this season, like no other team i don't think wins this sort of game with the with the injuries and everything that's gone against them and the situation that they were in of all the games to, to actually beat the chiefs this to me like blew me away it like gave me a big time shot of adrenaline at the at the end of like a long sunday to just see a football game this good with this many like great plays back and forth and when the chiefs were across midfield on the last drive you think it's absolutely over uh owe forces the fumble but then not only for John Harbaugh to ask Lamar Jackson, you want to go for it? It's like Harbaugh knew in that moment the NFL you know, like the camera's on him because he knows Lamar's going to say, oh, yes, yeah. I want to it. go for it. But it's also the play call and the ability of this offensive line to execute that play it was a very creative play call. They stack one side and more importantly, they do it at a tempo which takes mm-hmm. a lot of cohesion. They ran up to the line of scrimmage and instead of wasting any time, they snapped it right away. It didn't look like there was a huge hole there for Jackson and he uses all of his patience and waits for those offensive linemen who maybe are the MVPs of the game as a unit to get that hole open and you win it doing what you do best. You never give Patrick Mahomes the ball back and that is just like an unbelievably impressive victory by the Ravens.
3: Yeah, I mean you have to factor in what Baltimore has gone through over the previous fortnight injury wise. I mean their backfield isn't even what they planned for on any level and on that fourth down play if you're Kansas city, you know exactly what's coming and you can't stop it. And that's how you feel about Kansas city's offense. But when Baltimore is chiming in the way they did right there, they're unstoppable. I love the fact that Harbaugh overcomes what would have been a huge talking point, burning the two timeouts so early, it put them in a terrible spot. It gave Kansas city um, a glowing chance to win um, before that fumble. But you know what against Kansas city, you need to create their mistakes it mu- you must find a way to even out the mistakes because lamar had those two interceptions honey badger played his mind out with the pick six but you got patrick mahomes first interception in september clyde edwards hilaire his first fumble in the nfl came in the same game and i love the idea that even though you know these were not successful they kept going for the two-point conversion kevin zeitler was so clearly pushed on one of them too i thought it was very questionable but they just overcame baltimore their own mistakes which is unlike what happened with the Browns in week one. Baltimore proved themselves to be the class of the division, and they mentioned Greg Roman at the end of this game, and I like that because Greg Roman, I think, you know, fairly and unfairly has taken plenty of heat for the way the offense broke down at points last year, but tonight they just stuck to their identity. They are who they are. You may not like it. You may not like it at times because it collapses here and there, but tonight it was overpowering. It was too much for the Chiefs, and you don't see that often at all.
4: Um it's been a zany misadventure for the podcast today with our new studio meltdown. And, um, you know, after we finished the initial portion of this podcast, we take a break. We watch the rest of Sunday night football. Um, Greg and I stumbled and found this movie theater in this new, um, building that has a legitimate, like big screen, uh, movie screen, uh, where we watch the end of this game and, and Greg hit on, uh, which oh, has always been a pet peeve of mine. When the Kansas City Chiefs had the ball with four minutes to play in the game, he said, oh, the the, the Chiefs have an 87% win percentage <laughs> chance right now. I was just proba- making up a number. Which has always been, if you listen to this podcast, a pet peeve of mine. I hate win probability. It's stupid. And I said, well, let's calm down, Greg. A lot of things can happen. You know, I know Mahomes is going to do Mahomes things, but maybe the kicker messes up. It had to be somebody that was going to mess up. It wasn't going to be Mahomes, and it was Clyde edwards alaire And you saw the reaction. And NBC does such a great job with having cameras all over the place. Demarcus Robinson, I believe it was, collapsing to the turf with his face down. It's a Week Two game, but everybody knows the stakes, and everybody knows how many people are watching this game. And Clyde Edwards-Helaire, who's been, a, you know, had a middling career to this point. Uh, for a first round pick who had a lot of expectations, that's going to stick with him for a while now. And you hope he gets a chance to um, move on from this and become the player he can be, but to, to put the ball on the ground there. Oh my goodness. So I'll, I'll, I'll always remember that. And yes, credit, John Harbaugh's decision-making there. I even said in the moment, punt it away. They have no timeouts. The Chiefs, pin them with your special teams and then hold on for dear life. But the move was to trust Lamar Jackson, who looks every bit um, a reminder that he is an MVP. He is a guy who could be the MVP again. He is a special player, and there's nobody like him.
3: I mean, I agree with you, but can I – can I just suggest one question? Also, you were invited, by the way. Mark, I was invited, but, but I have – I like, we, you know, IT has made it very clear you don't leave, like, 40 pounds of computer equipment exposed oh, in this that, French is telephone that the booth. Biggest, oh, so is that the biggest – So I'm up here. I'm up here. Ever. There is no oxygen in this room. I'm up here in this little <laughs> tiny, like, pod that's about to shoot out of the building if there is some sort of meltdown. And you guys watch the rest of the game on a movie screen? Well, Greg, I'm.
2: I'm. You hear yeah, this? that's on. That's on Don't you. But me you know, Greg, you did been, you hear this? Like, that, you would have been sucking me I was the the oxygen one out of the room to take like, like so literally, 80 different,
3: take, like, like, so literally eighty different pieces of equipment to a different floor so that Greg could sit comfortably in his easy chair. I, hey, you guess you you what? I didn't, To a movie screen. I'm out of
2: I, I left my computer open. I left <laughs> yeah. my iPad out. I left my phone here. It didn't. Well, mark, I'm reporting
3: you to you know information technology. Mark, who
2: are the criminals
4: like wandering through this building <laughs> right. right now looking
3: it, to the steal security your security? He's tighter than He's the ruffians to my left. I don't trust anything that you, they're about to You can't even
2: move around without a sensor on you. Like the security's fine in here. But you know what? If you were in that room, I probably would have had to tone down my glee as it was ending. Because as this, as our, our stream yard you know, link started, you're not happy that the Ravens, who looked like they could have been down and out here at 0 and 2, instead get as, as meaningful a regular season victory as they could possibly get that reaction Dan that you said uh you know when Owe makes the play and look that's a first round pick that was kind of controversial and here he is showing up in his first two weeks the look on Lamar and Sammy Watkins face putting their arms around each other before they even go on the field this was uh, a momentous win because in so many ways the Ravens didn't have any answers I mean the the Chiefs went up and down the field all game you know the Chiefs got the 11-point lead going into the fourth quarter. Hey, how about that story? It's like, oh, the Ravens aren't built to come up from behind. How about they just came from behind against the two-time defending AFC champions in the fourth quarter by running the ball? Well, also, like
3: they they held Tyreek Hill to 14 yards. That's something almost no team does. And I wasn't unhappy for them because I view the, the, the Chiefs kind of like a Hulk Hogan, Hulk Hogan figure from the 80s where... You know, he's going to go through the motions. You think he's going to lose. He never loses. And the AFC has not touched outside of the – forget the You Chargers told me that game. you you
2: wanted the Ravens to take a dirt nap uh, I, early well, in this that's, game. That,
3: that, may be, that may be how I feel going into most Ravens games. But I do have <laughs> tremendous whether, – whether I like them or not, I have total respect for who they are and the way they carry this game out and how gutsy they are. That's how you deserve to win. And, you know, I'd, Dan, I know you had them – was it – below the Steelers in the power rankings, um, that gets flip-flopped hardcore because this is the division horse right here. Now, And, by the way, Chris Collinsworth tonight, um, using the term at one point, Hosses, that's what I don't need from Chris Collinsworth. I know you guys love him to death, but it's a little too 1971, faulty Midwestern. This
4: has been a tough day at the office for you. I mean, he said Hoss, and now – you're all fired up about it's that?
3: A, like Wes and I always used to talk about the fact that he's a little folksy and like he's going he's like pressing into it with hosses. But it was a tremendous football game and one of the better code. Sunday night games in a while.
4: Um, Your excitement, your enthusiasm jumps off the screen right now.
3: <laughs> I am not being unexcited about this. I think I'm appropriately, you know, it's it's a blip on the radar in life, and you know, I don't need to, I don't need to be dancing around pantless around the office. I know it's Greg's fine. a little
4: over the Greg's a little
3: exactly. Over the line, I mean, let's come yeah, on here.
4: let's let's find the middle porridge bowl.
2: This is the game of the year. Like this, not just until next week. No, this we're going to play the whole season, and at the end of the season, you're going to make the top five games of the year, and this will be one of those five. I don't know if it will be number one, but it's got a chance. You can go a whole season without a game like this because think of the individual plays that happen in this game. That Travis Kelsey touchdown, which I didn't see live but went back to watch, that was one of the best touchdowns of Travis Kelsey's career. Next-gen stats gave it a 3.3% chance. I'm going to give you some weird numbers. The Byron Pringle play was absolutely erra- like outrageous, that touchdown. That had a 0.7% chance, supposedly, of being a touchdown when he caught that pass. Like The back-and-forth of this game. Well, you know, how about which the Lamar Jackson with, jump pass to Hollywood Brown? That right, the back-and-forth well. starting with the turnovers and – and I'm with you, Mark. I thought the game was, like, more than over, and I was pleasantly surprised to see, like, how that all ended up.
4: All right. Hopefully these teams play again in yeah. January. That would be fun.
2: And it very, very,
4: it's very possible. These are two excellent teams, and that was a lot of fun. And uh, I just want to thank the Dallas Cowboys, the Los Angeles Chargers, Tennessee Titans, the Seattle Seahawks, Minnesota Vikings, the Arizona Cardinals, the Kansas City Chiefs, and the Baltimore Ravens for saving professional football. <laughs> we She's needed on the brink. you. And you were there for us. And we will not forget it. All right. Well, we got through it. Week two. Flagship show. In the books. We have one more game to come. Detroit at Green Bay. Slaughter. And you will hear from us next on the Around the NFL podcast Tuesday, hopefully from our studio. But at this this bet, we could be in broom closets throughout the building. Hardcore Uh, TBD. All right, wherever you guys are in the building, uh, get home safely, and I will try to do the same. And thank you to everyone uh, for listening. And uh, until then, until Tuesday, I should say, heed the call.
1: Visit LiveNation.com slash ConcertWeek to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 seconds from Mars, oh, and two-door cinema club.
0: Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real Steel.